Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. for tuning in to Radio Harambe, the companion podcast to our website, jomboeveryone.com. I am Dave McBride, broadcasting from the Radio Harambe studios, and joining me from somewhere in the world, back out on the road, (laughs) it's Safari Mike. Mike, where are you today? Dave, I am in the Keziranga National Park. The the what? (laughs) Keziranga, K-A-Z-I-R-A-N-G-A. Kaziranga? Well, you should know how to say it if you're there. No, I'm only I mean, here briefly. Oh, okay. So you're, <laughs> you're not um, Kaziranga National Park. K A Z I. It's all one word. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's not my original thought was Africa because I thought it was two words, Kaziranga. But I don't think those two words sound very African to me. They sound more. I'm going to say Malaysian. Well, Dave, that's not bad at all. I'm, uh, it's, I'm in India. Well, uh, well at least I'm, <laughs> I'm, in fight, I'm in shooting distance or spitting distance, as they say. Yeah. We're, we are here studying the Hulak Gibbon. No, you're which not. Is the, the what? <laughs> which is the second largest of the Gibbon family, just behind the – do you know what the largest is, Dave? Uh, the Safari Mike Gibbons? No, the Siamang, which is in uh, Anandapur at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Isn't Those that... are the largest gibbons. These are the second largest. They mate for life, and they're here in India. And there's a reason why people go to you for for this kind of information and not to me. Uh, <laughs> also joining us on the show today uh, the, is our very first... Now, there's only one way I can introduce our guest. Right. When we began... This show and our uh, our website, jomboeveryone.com, I got an email or some sort of communication that said, what do I need to do to help you in your quest for world domination? And from that point forward, we've uh, always relied on Kevin Crossman <laughs> to, to, to help us uh, dot the I's and cross the T's. And it's great to finally have you on the show, Kevin. How are you? Very good, and Jumbo. And just want to say once again, as a thank you from all the fans for all the service and hard work you guys are doing to help promote the park that we love. So, yep, happy and, to be here. And your just so that we know, your Twitter handle was Animal Kingdom Fans, it's uh, right? Anim Kingdom Fans. An- oh, that's right. Char- character limit. Right. So he he is a uh, tried and true Animal Kingdom fan, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a pleasure to have him on. Finally, uh, you've written some pieces for us on the on the blog over the years, and uh, it's it's nice to finally have you on the show. And probably not the last time we will dragoon you into doing something here on uh, Radio Harambe. Uh, so let's begin with the well. Let's say this first: we're going to do the local news. Then Mike's going to have the world news, and then at the end, 
The reason why we brought Kevin on is because he hatched this idea where we can sort of look to the future of Disney's Animal Kingdom, uh, which is a very uncertain future right now and certainly a changing one. Um, and we can look towards that future by looking at the past of Disney's California Adventure, something neither Mike nor I have much frame of reference on. So Kevin's going to help us with that. So stay tuned for that. But before we do any of those things, let's begin with the local news. And our first story, they got rid of the poop. <laughs> Congratulations, Disney. You removed your poop. Now, uh, Mike, yes. you, you, uh, you kind of looked down your, your nose at me um, on our last show, saying that I was, well, so I was some sort of stuffed shirt or something to that effect for not finding the poop to be tacky. Uh, but it, it seems that Disney has also discovered that poop is indeed tacky. Well, from what I understand, that they had a couple of guest complaints and then they pulled it. That's what I. That's what I'm hearing. And Kevin, from your applause, I I assume you were on my side of that debate. Absolutely, Disney's had a bunch of bad ideas over the years, but this is pretty close to the top of the list. <laughs> See, I, I just. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like. I, listen, I wasn't going to buy it. But it, it didn't really bother me. It was like a, a little joke. That's fine. I really didn't care. But I'm, apparently I'm in the minority. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Kevin. I just thought it was tacky and it was silly and it, and it just didn't it didn't really have any point. And it certainly my wife thought it was stupid too. Yeah, I mean it. It's not going to encourage anybody to buy anything. So, I mean, even from a business standpoint, if we just take away the whole sort of tackiness of it from a business standpoint, it's a stupid idea. I mean, Mike, you tried to make the point that people would do it for the novelty, but I don't know. I, I just don't think poop is a novelty. I really don't. I think poop is poop. <laughs> and, you know, we've been just trying to dig out of the hole that Animal Kingdom has been in as the laughing boy at Dis- Disney World. And now of we're course. the poop park. And, and then this thing comes along to just drop us right back in there next to Hollywood Studios. So. <laughs> I don't think we've sunk quite that low yet. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we don't need to talk too much more about poop. I think we've said what we needed to say. Uh, Mike, the flame tree has reopened. Yes. And uh, what are you hearing? Well, in terms of, well, there's a couple of new items right uh, at the flame tree. There's the uh, Jamaican jerk chicken salad, um, which I've, I'm, I'm into jerk chicken, so I, I'll have to try that. And there's also a watermelon salad there now. Which I guess is the vegetarian option. Um, I haven't heard anybody talking about that so much, but it's it's an interesting item anyway. Uh, have you seen any pictures of it? Yes, of the new area. Oh, yeah, it looks pr- pretty much the same. I've seen pictures of the basically the big thing that they did was add coverage to the um, the walk up windows so that you're not sitting out in the sun or the pouring rain as you're waiting online to get food. Uh, they're covering some of the walkways, but essentially it looks essentially the same. And, uh, but I mean, there's no expansion to, it's just covering, right? There's no expansion to yeah. the amount of seatings or anything like that. No, I don't believe there's any expansion to the amount of seatings, correct. But, and in fact, they're still not done with covering some of the walkways. I think some of the pagodas will be closed periodically in the, in the future, but they've reopened the restaurant at this point anyway. Now, I haven't seen pictures um, of the area the, you know myself i haven't i have yet to see photographs of it of the coverings that are on there but my curiosity is kev this is for you um if the color scheme has changed 
since you and I have had our little debate and a little uh, bitchy fight about the color schemes on Discovery Island, <laughs> I'm curious, has the color scheme changed? I don't think the color scheme has changed at all. But However, having said that, I saw a, a tweet today from, I think it was WDWNT, showing that they are toning down some of the bright colors all across Discovery right. Island. Right. They're slowly right. making it a little... A little less bright and colorful. Yeah, Kevin's accused me of not, uh, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, Kev, but of, of not being able to adjust to the times. Well, I think I just think that what they're doing here is that they're slowly remaking the right. color scheme for Discovery Island. And to say that something like the new Starbucks doesn't fit in is probably true looking backwards, but probably not looking forwards. Yes, and, all I'm saying. And, and, and you are right about that. It does seem like that is the case because they have changed some kiosks um, to, to this new sort of less uh, interesting color scheme in debate, uh, you know, in, in context of the story of, uh, you know, Mike and I have talked about this quite a bit. If they change over to that sort of more earth tone color, first of all, I can't believe Starbucks is dictating the color of the entire Discovery Island, but perhaps well, they are at this point. I doubt that. I, go ahead. I, Mike, I don't doubt that. But okay, uh, go ahead, Mike. I don't doubt that they are a, they're a big company signing a big agreement. If they wanted to, to 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 assert some influence on how the place is repainted, why does it seem so out of question that 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 would be the reason why they change it? Because it certainly doesn't fit with the backstory of Discovery Island. I think just the higher ups think that you know, the bright colors are maybe harder to keep. And it might be cheaper to have, like, less, you know, more earth tones. And, you know, this is what people want. I don't, I, I don't know if they are going to let Starbucks dictate what, what the island looks like. Maybe what their store looks like, but not what the island looks like. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously had an amazing amount of say over the aesthetics of the store. Because the aesthetics of the store certainly also do not fit in any way. With and I'm talking about the interior too, guys. I'm, uh, mm-hmm. of, uh, with, uh, of any way, they don't fit at all with Discovery Island. I mean, they're African, right? You know, they fit. They, it looks more like the Animal Kingdom Lodge. I mean, Mike and I, we've talked about this quite a bit. But um, I, when we all know, and I and I don't like to say these things because people know how I feel about the Starbucks deal on spec. Uh, I, I I don't care for it, so I you know I get accused of uh, trying to come up with reasons why I don't care for it. But uh, anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, Kevin, are you for the Starbucks thing, or how how do you feel, or does it not bother you that much? I am agnostic on Starbucks. Yeah. I think uh, which is probably I, the way to be. I, I honestly, you know, I'm not waiting in a 45 minute line for coffee, but it is much better coffee than what was there before, so I can't complain about that. Now let's move on to what Mike called in today and uh, uh, this week's. I'm sorry, I don't want to say today because this is coming out a couple of days after we record uh, this week's news roundup. He called it musical kiosks. <laughs> Rather than try to read all this, Mike, why don't you just throw it at us? Okay, let me see if I can remember it all. There <laughs> is um, uh, at the at the Beastly kiosk. There, I think we already talked about this. They're serving the. Mac and cheese, lobster mac and cheese, and they're serving um, the baked penne with the mozzarella. Now, the old allergy kiosk is now serving. Um, that's the one. That's the garden the, kiosk. Yeah, yeah, that's the garden kiosk. Oh, the, the and that's serving two new salads, which seem relatively interesting. 
Um, one has quinoa and beets. Another one is a, called a farmer salad. It has blueberries and candied pecans, and they come in these like little um, cartons, almost like a you know, Chinese food cartons. Your old um, kiosk that served the ice cream over by Starbucks is now the allergy kiosk that was used to be over by Flame Tree. Um, Trilobites, which used to have, well, when the Flame Tree was down, had the turkey legs. Right. The turkey legs are now back at the Flame Tree, and they are serving again the buffalo chicken on the waffles sandwich. Although now it's a slider. Big fan of that, weren't you? I did enjoy that. It was very yeah. buffaloy. To be, I mean, <laughs> nice. It's kind of spicy, uh, but now it's a slider, and now it's cheaper than it was before. It's smaller, obviously. Right. And now it's a snack credit on the dining plan, which I think oh. is good because you know if you're into the dining plan, which you know we've already discussed, neither one of us ever do. But now you can, for a, you know, a decent lunch, it's a snack credit. Same thing with the, the two uh, pastas that we were talking about before. Um, and I know I'm missing one. The Beastly one Kiosk. Me? Yeah, you, you, the Beastly Kiosk. Right. Oh, that has... That's well, the that's cheese one. pretzels, and now it's the... That's the one we talked about. That's the one that now serves, serves the uh, the little baked pasta dishes. Right. Yeah. Correct. I think I got them all. Yeah. But they're all sort of switching around now that... The Flame Tree Barbecue has reopened, and where these things were distributed throughout the park, they're now being you know pulled back into Flame Tree Barbecue, and they've sort of reinvented some of these kiosks. I have to say this: uh, we often accuse Disney of sort of, for lack of a better phrase, dumbing down their food. Um, I gotta say, though, selling a quinoa beets and edamame and citrus salad mm-hmm. is not at all dumbing something down. Uh, uh, you know, the other one is blueberries, candied pecans, and goat cheese. I mean, right. you know what I mean? This is not dumbing down their salads. This is this is not a chicken Caesar salad. You know, <laughs> this is so, I mean, I, I like that we're making these changes, but we're not necessarily making these changes to be more sort of... Um, <laughs> middle of the road. Middle of the not, road, which seems to be that. where they always go, right? They start off kind of on the edges and work their way in as time goes on. Uh, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I, I don't know if I would like either one of those salads, but I'm impressed that they're offering them. <laughs> I like quinoa. I would have that. Not a, well, you know, not a quinoa the, the, guy myself. The Harambe market wasn't uh, dumbed down either. So I think this right. is a great trend with the, for this park. Yeah, and it's one that's been going on for a while, and I and I, I do like it. Now, finally, guys, in the local news, um, we have a bit of, I mean, I guess you would call this news. It's sort of part news, part confirmation on um, some of the Avatar information that's trickling in every once in a while now. The LA Times wrote a pretty lengthy piece about uh, what to expect from the upcoming editions, uh, and most of the article... Um, contains kind of stuff that you know i wouldn't say big news but little additions to the thing the 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 first and foremost thing that uh, that really took everybody's attention was that we're going to get this boat ride which is always referred to as a d ticket um and for some reason i think mike in your uh article maybe this came out of the la times thing the d ticket and you compared that to pirates of the caribbean which i don't they did Okay, Pirates is not a D ticket, um, but we, you know where we're what going is, with this. What is it? Is I mean, it an E ticket for you? 
Uh, it, sure, of course it is. I mean, Pirates okay. of the Caribbean is one of okay. the signature rides in Disney history, for crying out loud. Okay, okay. I'm, 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 it, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it would have to be. Um, but it's but we know where we're going with that. So I mean, I, I would I would say that that is now confirmed. Correct? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely confirmed. I'm, would it be the first time that they scrap something at the last minute? But no, I, I mean, true. at this point, I think they're in the middle of building it. But we went yeah. through a phase of it's scrapped, it's not, you yeah. know, and now we're back to it's not. Right, right. I, I think, think we're other, getting it. I think the other thing here is that calling it a D ticket is actually really good news from my point of view because I was really expecting maybe a C ticket right. here in this type thing. So the fact that it's it's uh, maybe uh, maybe it's got some rafts, uh, river uh, drops, or something like Pirates does. Make it a little bit more thrilling. I think that's great news for this uh, addition to the park. Yeah, and, I mean, and one I, thing I heard, Dave, is that from Jim Hill. He now I you know take whatever, however you feel about Jim Hill, but one of the things he said is they're going to have you know some seriously advanced animatronics, and it's going to feel like these creatures from the forest are actually stalking you and maybe even chasing you, which I found interesting. You know, I think, guys, I mean, just to kind of go back on what I said before, I think in in our current parlance, perhaps Pirates of the Caribbean would be considered a D ticket if your E ticket is your huge mass budget thrill ride. Right. Okay. So if a D ticket is the best of the, 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 the highest end of the non thrill ride that Disney can create, then okay, then that if that's what we're getting here. You know, if that if the comparison really is to Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> then that's that's a this is a major attraction. This is going to be something that you know that's going to be a must see. At least that's what it is. That's what I hear when I when you when you throw a bell out like Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> that's that's a that's a pretty big bar to set. That's a bold statement for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you really going to make a Pirates of the Caribbean avatar, you know, quality avatar? I mean, Pirates, to me, Pirates is such a long attraction and so and so immersive. I mean, if that's what they're going to do here, man, I'm, that's that that does sound really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty impressed by it. Mike, what else did you what else stood out for you in this article? Well, the big thing that stood out for me in total is we have talked in the past uh, about Avatar and you know, where are they going to put the gift shops? Where are they going to put the restaurants? I mean, every land has to have, obviously, a place to eat, a place to go to the bathroom, and a place to, you know, buy plush. Um, Disney's not building a land w- without those items in it to, to make money. And the movie Avatar really just didn't lend itself to architecture. Right. Um, that would make sense to have a building where you would have people serving cheeseburgers and selling <laughs> Navi toys and all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, this article does reference a couple of things. One is that there's going to be a Pandora landing station. It's sort of like your entry point into into the land, which would obviously be a the potential for um, you know a place to eat, a place to shop, and stuff like that. And there's also a reference in it to a the ruins of a military base. Um, which I guess means that this land takes place, you know, the, the time frame for it takes place after the last Avatar movie. You know, after all of the, you know, the military tried to take over the planet and, you know, they were kicked out and all that kind of stuff. So you're there's going to be the ruins of a military base that, again, may be where, you know, you can shop and eat and all that kind of stuff. So I found that interesting that they're going to use that aspect of the story to sort of 
you know, have a place to do all that. And that's really breaking news. Kev, did you read this article? Absolutely. It was really, uh, really interesting. And I like this idea of having the uh, the military base or whatever, because that'll set up a really nice contrast with the natural world that you'll be entering mm-hmm. and all that. And I'm sure it's part of the whole message for this land. And I think the other thing that was really interesting, too, from this article that the uh, you know the the Soren like ride with the ride on the back of a banshee they said it was going to be very thrilling, not mm-hmm. even more thrilling than Soren. And again, I feel like that's like a higher expectation in terms of engagement than I had previously thought as well. So this is really great news. Yeah, it's going to be impressive. I mean, they're 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 throwing it out here. Here, Mike, Mike, anything else on this article before? Because I know there was some rivers of light stuff and. And things in there as well, right? No, yeah, nothing, nothing too, uh, nothing too different. I mean, they they mentioned that Cirque, the people behind Cirque du Soleil, as well as the Bellagio water fountains, are being are involved in the design, you know, the making of Rivers of Light and things like that. Some interesting little tidbits, but like that. Cool. All right, so that's it for the local news. We're gonna take a short break. We come back. Safari Mike's gonna have the world news. Stay tuned. Jumbo listeners, this is Scott from the Dixie Landings Radio Podcast. JumboEveryone.com and Radio Harambre are working to raise funds for their conservation partners by offering some great Animal Kingdom-related products for sale at Zazzle.com slash JumboEveryone. There's some great animal apparel and even exclusive line of not-a-half-day park stuff, and all the profits go towards helping to save wildlife. I've got mine and a couple of them, and now you can get yours too. Go to Zazzle.com slash JumboEveryone or click the store tab at JumboEveryone.com. Quaharini. Welcome back to Radio Harambe. It is time for the world news. And as always, with that, we turn to Safari Mike. Now, Mike, I have not read one single bit of news this week. So you're so I'm I'm, uh, forgive me if I sound ignorant as you go through this. You sound ignorant most every week. But anyway, I know we will be going to future world. That's why I'm a Disney podcast nominee and you are not. That's not why. But um, okay. (laughs) <laughs> Dave, we'll be going to Future World and the Animation Courtyard. But first, something, Dave, a, a bit of a retraction from our either our prior show or the one before that. Uh-oh. If you recall, we were talking about how Disney may be removing um, appetizers from the deluxe dining plan. Mm-hmm. Well, Disney has updated their brochures, and it does include appetizer now. So there's going to be no change to the... Disney Deluxe Dining Plan. I want, just wanted to throw that out there for people who have listened to our last show. What, wasn't that a, a, a world news story? It was. And what doofus nominated you then? Well, Disney, I, never, I never get any of these things wrong. It's not my fault. Disney, I didn't get anything wrong. Disney it goes to show you that didn't have it on it. Goes to show you how important <laughs> those nominations are. <laughs> this is what happens when you trade in rumors. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, All right, Dave. Yep. Off to Future World. Um, as I, I'm sure you're a big fan of ABC's The Chew, which is a TV show that uh, <laughs> those who don't know. 
count, <laughs> count me in that group. <laughs> Besides that addition coming to the F- Food & Wine this year, which is the 20th anniversary of Food & Wine, um, they're also adding four Future World Marketplace kiosks. This is the first time the kiosks uh, related to Food & Wine will be outside of World Showcase. Um, there's going to be the Artistry of Wine and Cheese area featuring the Cheese Studio kiosk, and I think you could probably guess what that has, as well as the Wine Studio kiosk, and I guess you could probably guess what that has. Quinoa? Um, <laughs> exactly. There will also be the Next Eats area, which will be by the Epcot Character Spot, which is going to have the Sustainable Chew Marketplace, where guests can d- taste delicious dishes inspired by the Chew host, co-hosts. Um, do you know who the, what the Chew is, Dave? Absolutely never heard of it until you just said it. <laughs> it is ABC's Emmy Award-winning lifestyle series, and it has, it's hosted by Mario Batali. I know him. Michael, Michael Simon and some other people who I've never heard of. Um, there's also going to be a Chew Lab, which uh, <laughs> food science meets the hottest culinary techn- technological trends to present innovative dishes like uh. liquid nitro chocolate almond truffle with warm whiskey caramel. That's, Sounds uh, interesting. Uh, also, the Dominican the word Republic I would have picked, but okay. <laughs> the Dominican Republic marketplace is returning with some different things. Cool. Um, and anyway, so that's um, what's ca- happening at Food and Wine. Pro- Mike, probably not a bad idea to spread the crowds out to put it into uh, to Future World. It's probably not the worst thing I've ever heard them come up with. You know, yeah, it doesn't really bother me one way or the other. Are they spreading it or are they expanding it? Yeah, but I mean, uh, they're yes to all of those things. I don't think adding these um, uh, specific kiosks are going to bring in enough uh, uh, more people, a whole lot more people. Uh, I think the same amount of people are going to come regardless. But if we can actually get the flow of traffic maybe to ease up a little bit on the World Showcase promenade, it would be nice, even if it's just a little bit, you know. Uh, to get some sort of uh, s- some sort of congestion relief in there, there's lots of land in Future World that they could use to spread the crowds out with. I'm, it should have <laughs> happened a long time ago. Absolutely right, 100 mm-hmm. uh, correct. Especially once they got into doing uh, you know things like a beer cart and uh, you know they they could go down that whole that whole strip there all the way down to Future World and just put whatever they want there. I mean, it was yeah. it, it's absolutely a, a long time coming and a good idea. So. Ready for the next one? Yeah. Well, the rumor is that Disney's Hollywood Studios, besides getting a new name, is going to be getting a $3 billion park expansion, $3 which will include – I'm not sure if I buy $3 billion, but anyway. Oh, I do. That's a I lot don't. of money, Dave. Yeah, I know. They spent right. $3 billion all, you know, at a drop of a hat, Mike. Well, all right, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, the, the, the article that this comes from, or the blog, which I didn't write that down, but anyway, um, it has <laughs> nominated folks. It's coming with new Star Wars, and this was interesting. And Indiana Jones attractions are hmm. going to be uh, involved in this, and you know, one of the rumors is that the uh, stunt show will go down for an Indiana Jones dedicated ride. I could only assume it'll be a um, a carbon copy of the one out in California, but who knows? Um, according to some information, the long-awaited Star Wars attraction will include a look into Dagobah that would be built around the park's existing Echo Lake. 
Um, another thing is that Pixar Place will be adding, and this is again the quote from the article, three new attractions along with the expansion, which we already know about, of Toy Story uh, Midway Mania, which is getting a third track. Um, the Another interesting bit is that we have seen the closing of the Disney's animation building, the magic of Disney animation. And some of the rumors are indicating that along with this intense redo of Disney's Hollywood Studios, in that area they're going to put a blue sky cellar that'll be very similar to the one that was at Disney's California Adventure um, while that was undergoing its um, massive reconstruction. And I think uh, Kevin can probably give us a little bit uh, as to what exactly the blue sky cellar was. Well, this was a, a location where they originally, when the park opened, they were telling you about how wine was made, and they showed you a film, so not so exciting. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that more later. But anyway, then what they did when they announced this whole makeover was that every six months or so, they would tell you what was coming in the park. Uh, first it was World of Color, then it was uh, the updates at Paradise Pier, et cetera, et cetera. And they would have artwork and models and filmed things and bunch of stuff to get you excited about what was coming and then as the new land or attraction launched then it gives you a little bit more hype and background for whatever that was so it was just a space within the park to tell you about what was coming which of course if they're really going to do this big expansion uh, that what is happening is long overdue this would be great another thing that that area might include dave is that as we're hearing that one man's dream um, is expected to close as part of this expansion. A lot of that, um, those exhibits and stuff in there would be moved over to this area um, to go along with the Blue Sky Cellar, which would be good because I would be very upset if they removed One Man's Dream in its entirety. Mm. So we are getting some interesting information. The Indiana Jones attraction coming is interesting. The idea that we're getting there is going to be three new uh, attractions at Pixar Place. We don't know what those are. I uh, mean, are they going to be, you know, flat rides? Are they going to be legitimate, you know, major attractions? And the thing about um, building sort of Dagobah around Echo Lake are all sort of new kind of little tidbits. Yeah, I, but as far as the um, one man's dream thing, I, I actually at this point, when you're considering, you know, what what this studio park is going to look like in whatever, a decade's time, however long it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a long time before all this is done because we haven't even announced anything yet, and we know how long it takes to get from even announced to shovels in the ground. Um, but I, I, I would like to see that kept, like Mike said, and maybe even moved to the Magic Kingdom um, because there's just not a, not a whole lot of studio left there. And I don't know how much it's going to belong when all is said and done. If that, if 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 I'm making making a point there clearly, uh, I, it would be nice if we could uh, keep every bit of it. But I, I, have, I have a fear that it won't be kept in its current, uh, you know, form in the in the future because it's just too much stuff. You know, there, there's too much going on, and it's going to be the other thing that Kevin makes a great point about the blue sky. What is it called again, Mike? Blue sky what? Cellar. The Blue Sky Cellar is um, you. You're gonna need something, right? I mean, with all of these things going down and all of this getting getting torn up and fixed, and I mean, this this place is gonna be. It, how could they charge admission into this? <laughs> you know, in a few years' time, there's not a, a stone being left unturned except for the Tower of Terror. 
you know, that's all that's going to be left when they're starting to do this stuff. So there's there's a lot of uncertainty in here. Um, Kev, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I agree with you about uh, One Man's Dream. It would be nice to keep that. But, I, you know, I wouldn't complain if it went away if long as something nice was coming in. And, and my concern here with the Pixar place is that the, you know, they've done this sort of Pixar Kittyland type attractions a couple times before um, at Hong Kong and also at Disneyland Paris at the studios there. And I visited last year and it was not so great. And, um, you know, off the shelf type rides. You know, cycle rides, not so thrilling. It really was not very exciting at all. And it sure would be nice to have something a little bit more ambitious here. And I, I think the Star Wars stuff is supposed to be ambitious. You know, everyone keeps talking about these rumors of it, they've gone to the board with this design and that design. And the board keeps saying, no, it's not ambitious enough. Keep building. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe that's how you get to the $3 billion, uh, which seems like a really high number. But, um, oh, yeah, it does. you know, they, they it just would be nice if they could say what they're doing. And, and I guess if they don't know, I guess they shouldn't say anything. But... Boy, it's it, you know what a pain to have to visit this park. Although, you're Dave, you're exactly right. When they start building, it will be as bad as the construction walls have been at Animal Kingdom this last year and a half or so. Oh. <laughs> it, it's it's gonna be nothing like that. I mean, I know we'll talk about it later with DCA. I mean, they rebuilt the whole entrance, and so you had to go around the back of these buildings, and it was terrible for six yeah. months or a year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to do a, a comparison between the Animal Kingdom's future and the California Adventures past, but at, but this this uh, you know redo of the Hollywood Studios, you can really look to that sort of past uh, in uh, in uh, DCA as well. I mean, there is a lot of stuff that is going to be done, and there's very little that's going to be left. I mean, I, I, I could I can only imagine Star Tours is in for another change. Um, you know, all this stuff's going to be different in, in a few years' time. It doesn't necessarily mean better. We hope it is. But it's it's all going to be changed, and there's going to be no no bit of pavement that isn't going to be closed at some point in time in the next couple of years. And, and, and But I shouldn't even say that because I don't even think any of this is going to begin until 2018 at the earliest. Oh, I, don't, I, I disagree with you there, Dave. Uh, They've already closed down the Backlot Tour. I mean, they're getting ready to put shovels in the ground soon. It's it's, it's uh, yeah? a situation with Avatar where they announce it and don't start building anything for a couple of years. I think this is more of a situation like um, you know New Fantasyland where they announced it and shortly thereafter they started working on it. I think we're going to get an announcement at D twenty three in a couple of weeks. I would be shocked if they don't. Announce how big something. an how big an announcement do you think? You think a complete announcement of everything that's going to happen? <sighs> um, because well, I, I don't. I would be stunned. If that I'd was be the case. stunned at that too, and let's not forget when they did announce, you know, New Fantasyland at D twenty three, they wound up changing it anyway. I mean, along the way, it got reworked and redone, and you know, right. the Snow White right. the Mine Coaster was not part of that original plan. It was all these little meet and greet areas that were really part of the original plan, a plan, a Pixie Hollow, a little place where you met uh, Sleeping Beauty. So, you know, they, that doesn't mean whatever they mount, they announce doesn't mean won't won't change over the course of time. But I think they're going to announce some stuff. I'd be shocked if they don't announce some Star Wars stuff and something with Pixar. You know, give you some idea as to what's coming to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Because they're closing. They've closed all this stuff over the last six months and haven't given you an inkling as to anything that's coming. 
And and you know what, Kev? I, I always thought that your fear about Pixar Place and what it might be is exactly what was going to happen because there's always, you know, when you're doing such an expansive refurb like this, there's always going to have to be an area that, you know, may not have the budget of the rest of the area, but $3 billion. I mean, maybe not. <laughs> maybe I got that wrong. Maybe they maybe they're just trying to reinforce the Pixar brand, and that's part of their you know strategy <laughs> for this yeah. whole thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? Mike, what else we got? Anything? Yeah, a couple of uh, other things, Dave. Real Go quick. Ahead. Um, two of the me- well, most well-known uh, Imagineers at Disney are getting their roles uh, expanded. Apparently, Joe Rohde, who of course is the creative lead at Disney's Animal Kingdom, will become will take on the role of global creative leadership of the Marvel property. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that they did. <laughs> Bob ahead. Weiss, who is currently heavily involved in the Shanghai Disney area, um, as well as was, um, will also take on the position of creative lead of Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, and, you know, that sort of goes in hand with Scott T- Trowbridge's uh, promotion, I guess, as the lead of the Star Wars projects. So, it seems that Disney are putting their big big guns on star wars on marvel and on the asia parks do we know guys uh, either one of you know um whether or not what this entails like what kind of role are we talking about for joe roadie i mean a global director of create i mean is 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 he gonna have some sort of say in what's in, in the films, in the comics, or are we just talking about... Imagineering. It's Imagineering. It's a role in Imagineering. So he is going to be the lead on anything that Imagineering does with the Marvel property, be it at, at, at any park, any theme park, or any hotel, or anything like that, is what you're saying. That's, uh, that, that is my understanding of it, correct. Well, Marvel fans rejoice. Because <laughs> that is good news. I, I there's no other way to put it. I mean, there's... there's, there's I, I'm... Honest, not just because of his work at the Animal Kingdom. He is the guy, in my opinion, the creative genius that works at Imagineering right now. And they've put him on a huge project. And and to, because someday, I think in the not-too-distant future, this Marvel deal with, with Universal is probably going to change. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know, Mike. There's only so long Universal is going to be able to hold on to spooning out money to Disney. I mean it it, it just it doesn't make it doesn't make sense for either party at this point. You know, there's so many ways Universal can go. There's so many things they could do. They can sign a deal with DC. I mean, yeah, but before Universal changes the all, all the parks, the, D- Disney's going to have to pay for the complete redo of Islands of Adventure at Marvel. Okay. Well, well part of it. Yeah. That's if not- I was Universal, I would the first thing I would say is all right, it's going to cost a billion dollars to change the islands of adventure. So you're giving me a billion dollars and that's what we start. Why, why would you do anything else? I mean, Spider-Man is a huge attraction there. It's at one of their top rides. Um, why would I, I, if I was universal, I would just keep it forever. Screw it. Why not? <laughs> that's what I would do. There's I, no benefit to them not to do that. No, I well, go ahead, Kevin. And, and, and if Disney gives them 5 billion, $10 billion, Think about how that can improve their park situation. Is is it really worth t- 
to, it worth it to Disney to pay that much money to get the licensing rights to build uh, like what they're doing in Hong Kong? They're building like a Star Tours clone that's themed to Iron Man. Is that something that we really want to add to the parks? Really? Yeah, is that yeah. is that going to change the difference when now Universal's got ten billion dollars to do whatever they want to do in their giant growing resort? I don't know. That might not make sense. We're yeah, I just don't think I, I agree with I agree with you. It just doesn't make any sense for either party. We're about we're about to put three billion dollars into a quote unquote studio park, and you don't think Disney wants to use wants to put their most expensive film property in there? Well, it's if too they late can. now. I mean, what, yeah, what, so what? So, so part of the three billion is going to Universal. You think? I don't know. What I'm saying. Yeah, what I'm know. saying is, I don't think it means that much to. Uh, I think Universal can has other options. If they get a good buyout for it, it might be worth it to the shareholders to create that to to get that buyout. The only the only thing in there, Mike, that is a a showstopper that can't be changed that quickly is Spider Man. One attraction, you could all the other big attractions that have Marvel names, the the coasters and the free fall thing. You just you could put anything on that. You could paint Hulk any color you want. You could paint it red, blue, and yellow, and call it the Superman coaster, and nobody will know the difference. It's only yes. Spider Man. It's one attraction. But and why Marvel do they movies? want to be making money for Disney? And at the same time, when Disney has control over all the ancillary stuff, what kind of, what kind of, um, you know, what, what what kind of merchandise they can sell, and the things that they get in there? I mean, it's just a headache beyond belief. I don't well, know why I'm they would sure want to be involved. Much of a headache is. I mean, it's uh, every movie that Disney puts out of Marvel that becomes a smash blockbuster hit. And next one coming down the pike is Ant Man. Is making Universal money. People want to see Marvel superheroes. They're going to have to go to Universal. But they, they want to meet Captain America. They got to go there. Oh, or to California. come on! Nobody's going to Universal to meet Captain America, Mike. It doesn't. No, but they're going for Marvel Superhero Island, <laughs> which doesn't not as much as Harry Potter. I'll give you that. But they're going to for, for <laughs> Marvel on. Superhero. Absolutely, Marvel is an afterthought on them now. Universal is not going to prop up Disney's film product. It just doesn't make sense for either one. They're not they're uni- making money off of it, though. They're making wh- what kind of money? They don't. They're not. There's not a. There's not an Avengers ride in there. That's great. There's not. There's nothing like that. They're not. People aren't going on the Hulk coaster because of the, the Avengers movie. It's not. They're not tying in. They're not using the property to tie it in, and they're not going to anytime soon because that's an incredible investment in basically marketing for Disney's property. So why would they want to do that? Why would they invest three hundred million dollars into an Avengers movie, into an Avengers based ride, just to make money on the back end for every Avengers DVD, which they probably can't sell in the park anyway. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. You're not. You're not seeing beyond the obvious. And and sooner or later, that that relationship is going to have to end. It has to, because Disney just has too much control over this property, and it's not worth it. If I were if I were them, and I know they can't, because I think Six Flags has this. I would just make a deal with DC and change all this over to Superman and Batman and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't think they can do that. But they, you know, something along those lines, or change them over to something else. Spider-Man, Mike, it's the only one. It's the only one that they have to really worry about. So it's been there a while, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's, it's still one of the most popular attractions in Florida. And they did upgrade it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and they're talking about upgrading the 
the free fall ride, changing that over from Doctor Doom to something else, Marvel. So, I mean, they might be spending money on Marvel Superhero they Island could put, soon. They could call it anything for a free fall ride. <laughs> sure, I know. They could call it, I mean, uh, you know, Saruman's Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's Six Flags. Exactly, Mike. Exactly. That's exactly the point I'm trying to make. So they don't go to DC. They buy Lord of the Rings, yeah, and whatever. they could change this yeah. all over. What else do we have in the news? We're getting we're getting way off track here. All right. Two, two quick things, Dave. They announced two more uh, restaurants coming to Disney Springs. Chef Arts Florida Fish Camp is uh, from the <laughs> restaurateur Charles Arthur Smith, who apparently was uh, the personal chef of Oprah Winfrey and has opened up some restaurants. Excuse me. And, and, uh-huh. and <laughs> May 2016, Blaze Pizza will, uh, will open a, a flagship location of 5,000 square feet uh, at Disney's uh, Hollywood Studios. It has uh, pizzas and salads and s'mores pies. And, Wait a minute. Uh, where? What did I say? Hollywood Studios. Oh, I, I apologize. Downtown uh, Disney Springs. That's what I thought. Okay. That's Sorry. why I stopped you. Each restaurant features an interactive assembly line format that allows guests to customize one of the menu's signature pizzas or create their own. So remember uh, Cosmo Kramer's Make Your Own Pizza? Well, apparently that's coming. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole bunch of chains that are that Blaze is competing with out here mm-hmm. on the West Coast. And yeah, it's, it's like Chipotle for pizza. Basically, I've, I've never been to one, so I don't know about it. But uh, I've, uh, I've, I, is it any good? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. If you like thin crust, okay, um, that's yeah. fine by me. In, in 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 this area, you don't go to chain pizza locations to do that kind of stuff. Uh, that's just not a thing here. <laughs> Right, Mike? I mean, is that how you would put it? I mean, people just don't do that here. Yeah, but this is a step up from Domino's, Dave. Well, yeah, but I mean, you go to a local pizza joint, there's 5,000 of them. You know, there's there's one on every corner, and they're all pretty good. Well, uh, I <laughs> suppose know? that's true. Um, is that it for the for the world news? Dave, one more thing. Okay. We want to, we're going to play America's Favorite Game. Oh, yes! Dave, guess how much it costs. Okay! <laughs> Wait, can I play two? No! Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you can guess two. All right, Disney's Contemporary Resort yes. is offering a new family culinary adventure. Taking place at the Contemporary Convention Center, this three-and-a-half-hour experience <laughs> take guests backstage for an interactive e- evening that includes time with actual Disney chefs, hands-on cooking, and a five-course dinner with beer and wine Ooh. served in the kitchen by a professional catering oh, staff. wow. Starting at 5 p.m. two days a week, the event is aimed at guests 9 and over, where the group of 30 guests are split into five groups to each man is stationed in the kitchen. They are the, uh, there's one that does, you know, stuff with cheese and makes from scratch butter. There's another sushi one. There's a pasta station. Once the hour-long prep work is done, guests are seated at a long table in the kitchen and enjoy the five-course meal that they have just made. Oh, who wants to do that? At the end of the evening, guests receive a chef's hat to take home, along with a Disney cookbook signed by the chefs. Oh. Guess how much that costs. Five-course meal. Where are you eating it exactly? (laughs) It's at the Contemporary. It just says they do it at the convention center. I don't think they actually take you into a restaurant. Okay. You get a chef's hat. It's worth about four bucks. <laughs> Cookbook is probably $30. And it's signed. Signed by people you've never heard of. I can <laughs> sign it for you folks for free. <laughs> I'll do it for a dollar donated to the uh, Cheetah Conservation Fund. Um, why would you want to make your own food? I don't understand this. 
Uh, well, so, you, you so, know, you know, Dave, I did, I did do an event like this. Uh, it, it's actually kind of fun, especially when you split up your family and you're on different teams, and which team can, you know, make the best meal, and maybe they give you some sort of special goofy prize or something like that. So it can, it can be kind of like a team building thing too. All right, um, five course meal. That's pretty expensive. One hundred and twenty-five dollars. Okay. Kevin, Wait, take a guess. Yeah, this is not. It, one ninety nine. Let's put it there. Oh, he's going high. Okay. All right. Somewhere in between, you guys are right. It's one seventy five plus tax. One hundred seventy five dollars to make my own dinner. Yes, and it's one hundred and twenty five for nine to twelve year olds. That's insanity. <laughs> Kevin, you thought this was worth two hundred dollars? <laughs> I didn't, didn't say, say it was worth it. That's how much it, Dave, you're usually low, so I just had to go high. But uh, I guess I was, it went a low over. I thought I went high. I, I, at first, when he said a five course meal, and it's kind, of, I figured it was going to be at least a hundred dollars. But then when he said it was, you weren't eating at a restaurant; you were eating it at a at a convention place. Then I'm like, well, that kind of kills the aesthetic a little bit. So you don't have that involved, you know. You don't have the cost to Disney of having like a chef's table or something to that effect. But it is you're you're working probably with a, a, a chef at each of your stations. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct, and but it's three so. hours, right? So that's a long time. Plus, three you're in line, right? Sure, but you're not getting the um, like a personal server or anything. Uh, you know, there's not that added expense that comes with being in a dining location, like having a you know some a, a sommelier there and all those kind of things that can come with real mm-hmm. expensive five course things. That's why I dumped. I was originally going to say one fifty, and I dropped twenty five bucks off when he told me it was taking place at the convention hall because I thought that was a little <laughs> cheesy. But, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I think That's I win, day. right? Because I'm closest without going over. Kevin went over. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing prices right uh, rules, so but all right. We always do prices right rules. <laughs> all right, so when we come back, we are going to look at the future of the animal kingdom by viewing the past of Disney's California Adventure. Stay with us. <laughs> Hi, Explorer Mickey here. Did you know there are only a few thousand great green macaws left in the wild? There are such beautiful birds, but people are causing them to disappear. But we can help. The ARA project works to save the habitats for lots of different kinds of macaws. They also help rescue birds and even hatch baby chicks to keep the population growing. So we need to help them do all of that good stuff by going to the araproject.org and making a donation. Every little bit counts. Radio Harambe. A few weeks ago, Kevin uh, sent me a message uh, wanting to discuss the idea of perhaps maybe trying to map the path of Disney's Animal Kingdom's future over the next few years. What we know is that this park is going to change. Big sweeping changes are taking place at the Animal Kingdom over the next few years. And what we also know is that this isn't the first time 
such expand expansive changes have happened at a Disney park. Um, one such park that went through a very similar, what would we call it, rocky road in the beginning was uh, Disney's California Adventure. And we really needed Kevin to come on here today and talk about this with us because neither Mike nor I have ever been to Disney California, Disney's California Adventure. So while we've all read about the Superstar Limo and the... Uh, you know, and the dumbed-down version of the Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror, and all these things. Mike and I have never actually experienced any of this stuff and certainly haven't seen anything, uh, you know, of the new things that have come out recently. So I was really intrigued by this idea. And so, Kevin, we turn it basically over to you. What I would like you to do is sort of just, to begin with, just sort of capsulize... Uh, you know your thesis here sure well just to give you some background i am in california so i've visited disneyland basically every year so i grew up with this dca as it, it as it opened and as it started to flounder and it started to change and i've been to disney world several times as well and it, it just struck me as you know hearing the discussions here on Radio Harambe and, and elsewhere in the internet, that there's lots of concerns about what's going to happen to this park from people who feel like the Avatar expansion is not um, either aesthetically or thematically appropriate. Um, some of the changes around, you know, maybe my quiet little park that I like uh, maybe being different and maybe more crowded and concerns around that. And so I thought, you know, there's really a strong parallel to what happened with DCA here that I think uh, the listeners would be uh, well informed to, to know about. So that's kind of where we're going to leave it. So there's this is I guess what you can say is as we make these big changes and we were just talking about the Hollywood Studios, too, and big changes that are coming to that. Um, it's almost as if this park, the, the California Adventure, can kind of serve as like a blueprint of a successful redo without, I guess what I would say, without completely redoing the park. It almost sounds to me more like the Hollywood Studios is, I mean, they're going to change everything, right? Soup to nuts. It's going to, I mean, for all we know, it's going to have a different name. We know that for sure. I mean, it could look nothing like it when you first come in. But California Adventure, it didn't quite go that far in the change. Is that? I mean, they changed the entrance, but does, how much of the old, Cal the original California Adventure do you still experience when you walk in today? Well, you know, I'd say probably half the stuff is e either exactly as it was or lightly rethemed. And so I agree with you. It's it's not as quite of a drastic redo as what is going to happen to Hollywood Studios. But, you know, just think about Animal Kingdom. It opened up. It had a very similar purpose. It wanted, Disney wanted people to stay an extra day. And so they built another park. And they built a park that did, wasn't like any of the other ones. So it wouldn't, you know, be, uh, you know, any sort of overlap with some of the other parks. And, and but it, it's, it suffered from budget cuts. We never had the Beastly Kingdom. Asia opened later than the rest of the park. So it was sort of a little bit, um, you know, a rocky start. And immediately when this park opens, all kinds of changes. The Discovery River boats, they retheme those a couple times and finally get rid of them. Um, Safari Village gets renamed to Discovery Island. Conservation Station gets renamed. Countdown to Extinction gets renamed. Um, you know, they're, they're tweaking 
the storyline in Kilimanjaro Safari. So they're, they're trying to get the right formula. And finally, they start to expand. And what do they do? They did the exact same thing that DCA did when they first expanded was they added kiddie rides, which was Dinoland, right? And this wasn't the big e-ticket expansion. This was off the shelf with a light theme. And we can argue about the theme at Dinoland. But, you know, <laughs> it was not the most elaborate situation going on there. And it's exactly what they did in, in DCA with Bugs Land. And um, over the years, they, they added additional theme uh, th- uh, thrill rides. So they added the Tower of Terror, like you mentioned, at DCA. What did they do at, at Animal Kingdom? They added Expedition Everest. And they think that each time that we add this one little thing, that'll make the difference. And what they basically came to the conclusion was, at, at DCA, was the, th- the, the theme itself wasn't right, and it lacked certain elements that c- would uh, avoid the half-day park label. So they had no nighttime spectacular. They had no compelling parades. They had uh, an environment that was sterile, and people just didn't feel warm to the way that they want to feel warm to in a Disney park. And so, um, you know, the DCA story is really, like, they said, okay, fine, we're going to bite the bullet. And I think this is where Bob Iger maybe needs to give give him some credit. He wasn't afraid to spend a billion-plus dollars to say, let's fix this park. And so um, the first thing they did was they added... Um, the Toy Story uh, Midway Mania mm-hmm. saved some money because that was a you know a, a dual park thing. Right. And then one of the key things that they then did was they built uh, World of Color, which is their nighttime spectacular. And this gives people reasons to stay in the park until after dark. Gives people reasons to stay in the park to eat and to mm-hmm. ex- explore the other attractions and not feel like they need to rush off to the other park or whatever. And this is exactly what's happening here with uh, Animal Kingdom. Rivers of Light is going to come online. The nighttime entertainment, hopefully the nighttime safaris come online, similar time frame, to give people a reason to stay at this park for longer hours. And, you know, we talked about it earlier, leading up to that entry point where that launched, it was chaos. Walls everywhere, and that's exactly what's been happening at at Animal Kingdom for the past uh, (laughs) couple years. You know, it's like, and then... the revolving situation with some of the restaurants closing, opening, counter service, uh, you know, all those kinds of changes uh, to add capacity for, um, you know, for when the people stay late, they need to eat something. Now, one of the things I thought was real interesting here in looking at the comparisons is one of the things that, that Disney sort of uh, fell backwards into a hit was they uh, they knew that people were going to be staying in the park and they were waiting for their next show of World of Color and they needed to do something. And so they repurposed a, a, their Hollywood area of their park and sort of outsourced this nighttime disco bar scene thing that they called Glowfest. And actually, people really dug it. And, pe- and some people, I think, dug it more than World of Color. And then that turned into Electronica and now is uh, the Alice in Wonderland-themed right. uh, thing. And I think that hopefully what Animal Kingdom is doing with their changes in Discovery Island and some of the entertainment offerings that will be taking place in that part of the park, hopefully it will be something similar. Now, a uh, th- th- couple of things, um, and Mike, I'm going to let you jump in here too in a second. But the the one thing that kind of comes to mind from the from the from the very beginning when we start first started, when when you first brought this subject to me was, uh, and maybe I'm maybe you can kind of help me with this. Uh, it seems that the 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 fundamental difference between these two projects is that 
and to some greater degree, the general theme, the general um, uh, story behind the California adventure didn't work. But at Animal Kingdom, it does. And rather than sort of rewrite the template, which kind of seems more of like what California Adventures has done, it seems like in Animal Kingdom maybe we're adding. Now, I certainly see the parallels for sure. I mean, there's obviously, you know, the nighttime show, the e-ticket, the, you know, we see those those parallels. You know, we, we could see why they're doing these things. This is a tried and true method that's 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 worked for California Adventure. But I guess I just want to kind of make a point on the differences as well, which is that Animal Kingdom kind of <laughs> has a better <laughs> overall place in its, you know, and it, it, it it's in a better place than California Adventure was at this time in its life. Does that Absolutely. make sense? Absolutely. And, and you know, I think the, this theming and the idea of what this park is about is very strong and easily understood by guests. I, I guess I would say that one of the other parallels, and again, not everything's perfect parallel, but one of the things that it was a parallel is that both of these parks opened with the idea of like, we don't have to have a lot of Disney characters. And you know that that's something that they've added over the years at, at, at both parks. And Animal Kingdom, we had, you know, Finding Nemo comes in and you know, I think we'll see more characters coming into this park as well. So, I, and and I and and I think that that is something that um, you know <laughs> we've I have always hoped for a park that does actually break the mold of the Disney characters and does get into something you know create its own space and its own characters and its own you know it, it, we could have a plus you know kind of like Figment did for Epcot, but. Every time they've done that, even all the way back to Epcot, they've changed their mind on that. So I don't know why they keep thinking that that's going to work for them. Yeah, uh, that's what I don't understand. I mean, they learned, you thought they learned their lesson with Epcot when that opened up with no characters and everybody shows up asking, well, where's Mickey Mouse? Um, yeah, I, I don't understand why they keep making that quote-unquote mistake. Well, the good news is, at least for Animal Kingdom, they're not redoing the theme for some of these rides and calling it, you know, uh, Donald Duck's Flights of Wonder or something like that. So, now, you know, one of the, one of the other, the three one of the other things, <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the other things I thought was really interesting about the DCA project was it wasn't just that they closed down certain things and rebuilt and built Cars Land, which we'll talk about in a second, but they actually did go through and really update some of the, the elements in the lands to make them more thematically appropriate. Um, did a lot more um, making it from an older time rather than modern. And I think that we can argue about Discovery Island if that, that re-theme is, is, is appropriate or not. But I think you can see that they're trying to make tweaks to the different lands. The expansion in, in Africa, I think, is another place where they're they're making a stronger story for for certain lands and i think that that's a good model that they're also emulating here at uh, animal kingdom and then i think the really the key thing here that i wanted to just hopefully i know avatar is a very divisive situation but if you think about it cars is probably not anybody's favorite pixar movie mm-hmm. that's for and sure. and i, I just got to tell you even though it isn't my favorite pixar movie People love Cars Land. It is crazy how immersive this environment is and that people just want to hang out there. And when you're hanging out, what are you doing? You're, you're, buying, you're buying merchandise, you're buying yep. food, 
you're just hanging out there and you're spending the time and you're relaxing and you're enjoying yourself because that area in 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 California Adventure, the Cars Land, is spectacular. And they're it's pretty similar. They built a big e-ticket. They built a and two C, two C tickets basically. So I think in a way, Avatar might be getting a little bit better at the deal here because if they got that D ticket boat ride, this is going to be even better. But think about it; it's going to be the same deal. Very immersive environment that you just want to hang out in, and especially with the Avatar, I'm really excited about this idea that you would come in the day and have a very different experience at night with the the, the interactive environment and the elements and the light and all that. Is that also kind of true at Cars Land as well? I mean, it's a very different kind of looking place at night. Absolutely. It, it really does look different. And, and they even do a, a special ceremony right at dusk where they turn on all the neon signs. It, it's like one of these little hidden treasures that they have at Disney sometimes. And uh, it's really, really cool. So, you know, I, I just, I think that, um, and, and I think the other thing that I see happening here at DCA lately is that they've even continued to retheme some of the lands. So the area that had Soren was this Condor Flats, which was sort of this Mm -hmm. celebrating the old aircraft industry of California. And now they've basically subsumed it into the Grizzly Peak. So it's more of a national park type of theme, much more relaxing, more peaceful, that sort of thing. So, you know, who knows? Maybe down the line, maybe they do something with Chester and Hester's area, or maybe they (laughs) more more likely do something with Rafiki's Planet Watch, which I think well deserves a theme. You guys talked about it last time. I I think that there's lots of opportunities here to, even once Avatar comes and once River of Light comes, to continue to improve the park in ways that are, that continue the theme in a good way and not just, you know, adding off-the-shelf Pixar rides. Well, is it true that for California Adventure, um, one of the kind of problems that it suffered from was a lack of sort of exoticness? I mean, (laughs) you're in California and you have a park about modern California. So it seemed a little weird to me that that would have been the the theme to begin with. Well... Yeah, I think that that's one of those, if you're a native Californian and you have pride in being a native Californian, the theme doesn't seem strange to you. Okay. But it's also it's also not something you embrace exactly. And and I completely understand the non-California view of this of like, what? I don't get it. And so, right. uh, yeah, like you were saying, it, Animal Kingdom's already got such a, a better theme uh, going for it. This is already a great place to start. So, as far as individual attractions, now you already talked about um, the Rivers of Light and the night having the night times, but we all know that that is something that they've always needed. They need something to draw the, you know, the folks in there later. Um, what about some individual attractions, either changes or new ones built that you think um, may lend itself towards looking in the future of the Animal Kingdom? Well, like like um, was mentioned earlier, it'd be real interesting to see what they do with this entrance complex at uh, Avatar. Uh, obviously, that's going to be the, your restaurant and all that stuff. But you know, maybe there's maybe the restaurant has interactive elements in it. Maybe there's blue people in there that can talk to you or something. Who knows? They could really make that be the La Cellier of this park if they wanted to really pump up the volume and pump up the price. So I think that there's lots of opportunities there. Do you think and, and you know what the other thing, Kev, that I love that you said was that was you talked about Cars Land, and this brings me back to um, basically what I've said about Avatar from day one. This is the root of my argument with Mike 
in every single fight we have about uh, about Avatar, which is film quality. And I firmly believe this film quality bears no meaning on quality of attraction or land in a theme park. They are two completely separate things. It may bear some uh, some uh, meaning upon how excited people get about it before it opens, and how you know many sort of people sort of gravitate there just from looking at a map. Uh, but I don't think it has anything to do with the quality. And I just want you to speak a little bit more on Cars Land because a lot of people are saying that Avatar needs to be its Cars Land. You know, it needs it needs to be that immersive thing. This sounds to me, and to, this is the question: really, is this like they're going to kick that whole idea of immersive land up a notch even more with Avatar? Does that do you? I've never been to Cars Land, so I don't know how to compare the blueprints or the the things we're reading about Avatar to that. So I want you to kind of make that parallel there. Well, I, I agree. I think that's exactly it. Isn't it? It's not just that you, it's cool to walk around and it looks cool and there's great photo opportunities to share with social media. But it's, and, and again, the nighttime, daytime uh, dichotomy as well. But the fact that, that it's, it, you're just not just walking around, but that it's interactive. I think that it, in and of itself would be a way where they're going to really uh, take this experience to the next level. And again, who knows what they want could do with, with magic bands or whatever. And uh, I completely agree with you that the quality of the franchise doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, have an impact on the nature of the attraction. And Pixar Place is a good example. Good, great movies, but lousy attractions. Um, you know, but it, yeah, it's obviously less marketable than Harry Potter or Star Wars would be. So it, as long as it is a great experience, and that's not like people don't come to Walt Disney World anyway, uh, the word of mouth will, will be out there for Avatar if they deliver on the goods on this. And I think that will only help to prove it. But, you know, DCA, they saw an immediate $2 million, $2 million people per year boost in attendance after Cars Land opened and all the rest of the changes that they made. And, I mean, that's a pretty substantial increase. So, you know, that's what Disney is seeing here is that if we spend the money, we'll make the money on these uh, in attendance. And especially with Universal breathing down their neck, they need to get keep people on Disney World property more so than ever now. Mike, you've been kind of quiet, so I'm going to let you uh, <clears throat> let, let you have at it here. <laughs> well, I, I have one thing to add on to that, or, or question really for you, Kevin, is that, you know, we were talking a little bit about Avatar and how it's, you know, maybe not what people really wanted, et cetera, et cetera. And I think with that, what that means is that Disney has to hit a home run with Avatar Land. Um, and I think maybe that was kind of true with the Cars Land thing, too. Uh, DCA had to hit a home run with it. Were, were people, as it was getting built and coming around, were people excited for Cars Land? Or were they, you had a lot of this, what you get with Avatar Land, this kind of, uh, you know, why Cars Land? Why? I mean, that's like the worst of the, the Pixar movies. Uh, what was the sense of, as it was coming along? Well, I think people are really happy that they were investing in the park mm-hmm. and especially some of the other theme thematic elements that they announced with things like World of Color or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, it's not like people were like going crazy for Cars Land in the way that I, I'm obviously people would be if they announced some gigantic Star Wars based uh, expansion someplace. And so you were exactly right. They had to deliver the goods and uh, they did. So cross their fingers. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you, and 
forgive my ignorance about Disney's California Adventure, but it's you know we were talking a little bit about Animal Kingdom at the beginning, and how it was you know they only sort of built half of what they were planning. They, you know, Asia opened later, Beastly Kingdom never came about. Did California Adventure suffer from that at the beginning, where there was a lot of undeveloped plans that just sort of died by the wayside that they were going to get to and never did, or was it when it opened? pretty much what they were expecting or what they wanted to deliver. Well, they didn't announce anything as being missing, but it definitely felt like a small park. It definitely felt like some of the stuff was built on the cheap. And that's why immediately they had, they had room in their footprint to expand, to build the tower of terror and bugs land. And there's actually even still a little bit of space where they rumor to build some sort of Marvel attraction, maybe someday, but it just felt like it was not so... They, they didn't spend what they normally do, the Disney quality, on, on the park. And, and it, it, you know, things like cheap rides like Superstar Limo and some of these off-the-shelf off Paradise Pier attractions, while potentially fun, it, it just didn't have the warmth uh, that you expect in a Disney theme park. See, you know, I, I, I've seen the a YouTube video of Superstar Limo, and that looked so awful that it was good. <laughs> <laughs> or was it just awful? <laughs> it, it was a bad attraction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was so pathetic that it looked like it would almost be, uh, you know, entertaining. <laughs> as as pathetic as the Discovery Island, Discovery Riverboats, Mike. Though I mean, driving uh, around. So, and... Have you ever seen the YouTube video of Superstar Limo? I have not. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> okay. I'm still mad I never got to ride the, the Discovery Riverboats. <laughs> See, I would pay $200 to ride in the Discovery Riverboat experience. <laughs> they had that as a special ticketed event. And you don't even need a five-course meal. <laughs> no. <laughs> so does this, I assume, Kev, this makes you feel um, kind of optimistic about the future of Animal Kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think... It, Again, the news that we're continuing to hear, it's all good news. And I think that as long as that good news keeps coming, by the time we get Rivers of Light and by the time that Avatar comes, hopefully, cross our fingers, it will be uh, the full day park we all want and know that we have today, but even more so. And maybe maybe it's a two-day park now. And um, just to give people a more of an experience to, exp- to come to this park and experience some of the other things that we all love about it uh, that makes it so unique with the trails and the animals and everything else. Yeah, the full the, the full day park, really, that's just code for it doesn't have something, a fireworks thing at night. That's really it. That's the only thing missing at the, at the current time. So I think once Rivers of Light comes in, we don't have to listen to that idiocy anymore, and that would be really, really nice. Uh, yep. Mike, any anything you want to add before we get going here? I don't think so. Kev, how could our listeners find you if they wanted to, um, you know, debate you further on said subject? Well, probably the best place is to contact me on Twitter or the Animal Kingdom fans, Anim Kingdom fans. And I'm always on there, you know, once in a while to, you know, poke a little bit at our friends at Hollywood Studios and, <laughs> and to, to, you know, retweet interesting comments and tidbits about our beloved park and you know dave before we close i just want to say yeah. i had an idea of doing a, a website or something about animal kingdom <laughs> years ago and i actually called into believe it or not the wdw today podcast uh, asked them like oh, what yeah, would yeah, you yeah. suggest and matt hotchberg of all people told me don't do it unless you can invest time every day 
doing this to build it out. And I realized I didn't have that um, that time or whatever. And so I just, again, want to thank you guys for all this hard work that you've put together for the website and the podcast. It's really, really, in my view, it's kind of like a national treasure. <laughs> keep, keep up the great work. And, and you're on a podcast as well, right? Yeah, I do occasional appearances on the Diz Dads podcasts. And so it's dads talking about disney and we you know have a male perspective let's just put it that way but it's all pretty g-rated <laughs> very cool well thank you very much for the kind words and for for joining us we are going to certainly hear from kevin again uh we have a few other subjects we're going to need his help on as time goes on uh and and certainly he is now our resident california reporter for uh <laughs> anything in the future that might uh, involve California. Uh, I want you also to follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Radio Harambe. Mike is at Jombo Everyone. Uh, Visit our website, jomboeveryone.com. I do hope that you go to our conservation page, learn about the conservation organizations we're looking to help out, and also to our shop where you can buy some things, um, and we're going to have all the money we make off that go towards conservation. We have some great t-shirts on our Zazzle store, uh, the Not a Half Day Park shirt, Warden Wilson's Air Rangers shirt. You can get all that there. Go to jomboeveryone.com and you'll find all the links. Also, let's see. What else? What am I missing here? Oh, subscribe to the show. Leave us a review. Uh, It does help to uh, get the word out. So for Kevin Crossman and for Safari Mike, I'm Dave McBride. Quaharini, go well. And thank you for listening to Radio Harambe. (laughs) 